Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part one of my conversation with Alexandra Delaferra, Associate Professor for English and Co-Director for the Teaching Excellence Project Grant at Passaic Community College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. My guest today is Alexandra Delaferra. Alex is the Associate Professor for English at Passaic Community College. She is also the co-director for the Teaching Excellence Project Grant. Alex, Hi, Jeff. Hi. Thanks for having me. Now, you you go by Alex. Yes, Alex Um, is great. And uh, it's great having you here um, today. I, I should um, just be super thankful that you are able to make it because you told me a little bit ahead of time that you actually did get, you know, tested for COVID yes, and you're still here. Yes, I know. Yesterday I tested positive. Luckily, it just feels like a cold. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty clear. But yeah, um, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So we could definitely Thanks. talk away. Just... Just so thankful for the vaccine. And the, yeah, and more than I medicine, know, I know, medicine. I know it, I know. Um, so um, you are at Passaic Community College. Why don't you just tell us, give us a, you know, like a sh- really short, like 5,000, you know, foot level description of uh, Passaic Community College for those who don't know. Sure, we're an, an inner city um, community college in Patterson, New Jersey. And we're a largely a Hispanic-serving institution. Um, and increasingly, we're noticing a larger population of um, uh, Middle Eastern students. Um, and we do have African-American students that are part of the community. Uh, but by and large, we're a Hispanic-serving institution. And um, luckily for us, we qualify for a lot of grants because of this. So um, that's, that's been working in our favor, too. Mm-hmm. Now, you, your responsibility, you seem to have a lot of responsibilities. You've done a lot of grants. You teach um, in the English uh, department. Um, and you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I've been teaching since actually at the community college level since I graduated college in 1993. So I've been at this for a, a pretty long time. Um, I do I do love my job, but um, even though I've been doing this for a pretty long time, I'm always looking for ways to make my classroom experience better, to engage the students, um, just to, to deliver the material in ways that really can grip them. Increasingly, I'm finding that you know students are just not reading as much, and um, maybe sometimes they are begrudgingly in my classroom because I'm a gen ed. They have to take my class, a composition class. So I'm always <laughs> looking for ways to just just excite them, to motivate them, and um, and so this teaching hat that I wear has been working in conjunction with. Um, the other hat that I wear, which is the co-director of the Teaching Excellence Project. And, and essentially, it's a project geared to make teachers better teachers in the classroom. But it does become all-encompassing. It's really not just about the, the teachers. It's about the students. And it's just looking at all different initiatives that we really can incorporate to consider all the cultural movements um, that we have, just to take a look at our technological advancements and, and the role that that plays to our education. 
So it's a really exciting time for me to be a teacher, actually. Yeah, and I I think that we met. Um, I'm gonna guess by now has to be like a couple years now ago, right? Yeah, maybe even a little bit less. Maybe a little. Yeah, maybe a little yeah. bit less. Well, then again, we were in communication before the initiative launched mm-hmm. in March, right? Right in the height of the pandemic, but um, and maybe we were talking, you know, prior to yeah. launching. Yeah, but it really hasn't been that long in terms of, you know, our work. But um, mm-hmm. I'll talk to you more about like how proud I am and how much we've done in such a little time. <laughs> so that, that's been a great thing. Well, I, I am too. But why don't we, why don't we, you bring us back to that point. Um, you, it's, the pandemic is in, you know, full swing and everyone's worried and, you know, you are at a community college and we know that for community, uh, there are a lot of community college enrollment went down oh, yeah. um, over, over the pandemic and still is down as of today. Um, and, um, and you are um, trying to get, you know, you're trying to get grant funding to, to help with, you know, you know, like different ways of engaging students. So, and then at some point you must have come across um, e-portfolio as sort of a, a, you know, a potential sort of thing to do. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about how that came about? Sure. Actually, the, the very first time I saw an ePortfolio was a, at a conference. I was an attendee, and it was prior to the pandemic. And it was something that I had always just kind of stored in the, in the back of my mind. Um, we did have an ePortfolio option in our learning management system, which is Blackboard. But it was very one-dimensional. There was no visual layer. There was no aesthetic. You know, it was just really um, very utilitarian. So I never used it. Uh, it just didn't suit what I what my vision was. So then, next thing we know, we're in the middle of this pandemic. It's it's March 2020. Our grant had just launched, and that summer, which was summer of 2020, the um, dean which is in charge of the grant and who was the um, director at the time. Now we've hired somebody for his place. Now we have a, a team in place, but he said to me, look, we have this money and there's a lot of initiatives. Take the ball and roll with it. What would you like to do? What would you like to see done? And right away I knew, uh, I said to him, Greg, um, I, I want to institute an e-portfolio. And he said, sure. He said, so I'm going to task you with this charge. Go out there, take a look at all the e-portfolio products out there, and you come back to me and tell me which is the best one. So that's what I did that summer. Um, I took a look at a number of places, uh, different schools, like the University of Rhode Island School of Design sticks out uh, um, as one where I saw a lot of public e-portfolios. And then, so I kept coming back to Digication. All the examples that I saw online seemed to really all roads led back to Digication. I really liked it. And so, you know, when we kind of pushed a little bit further and I uh, went to the, it was the LaGuardia Community College actually website. And that is um, a, a college that's not too far from us. We're in New Jersey. So this is right over the Hudson River in New York. And um, what was great is that I saw a few contact names on the website at LaGuardia. And so I contacted one person who was in charge and um, he was so generous with his time, he said, sure, I, I will love to meet you. Now, this was 
uh, in the height of the pandemic still, this is the summer of 2020, nobody was meeting in person. So he met me over Zoom. Jeff, do you remember his name? Pablo? Yes, it was Pablo. That's it. It was Pablo. And he was so generous with his time. And so he gave me over an hour. Now, he didn't even know who I was. He had no really vested interest in meeting with me, but he, he, he did nonetheless. And he really gave me a, a much better scope of what I would need to do to, to roll out such an initiative, uh, the kinds of things that should be in place. So he, I got a lot of really great feedback from him. And so I took that back to the dean and I said, I'm ready. So um, for that spring, uh, we weren't quite ready in the fall. Because in the fall, we had to get some logistical things in place. Like we had to fold in our IT team for the Blackboard integration. We had to hire a few more people for the grant team. So, you know, we had to put everything in place first. But then once we did that, I was ready to roll out five courses as a pilot for the spring 2020, 2021 at this point. It's 2021. Right. And I'm not going to lie. It was a daunting task at first. You know, I would stay up at night sometimes before the semester started. I'd say, oh, can I really do this? Is this going to flop? What if this flops? Then they're not going to really see how much I love this and why I love this. So I I was pretty nervous. I'm not going to lie because I wasn't in the classroom. We were all in Zoom squares. You know, all of this had to happen over Zoom. And so it, it was daunting. But I have to say, um, Carrie, she was one of the I-team members from the Digication end who was really just so invaluable for our rollout. She was really fantastic. She worked with our EdTech specialist, Bajal, and um, we, we got it together in no time. And by that March, I was able to have five classes with ePortfolios created. Um, there was an About Me page, Goals page, and and then showcasing also their their coursework. And so, um, it, you know, it was just, it was incredible. It really was incredible because, again, I, I can't take this lightly. All of this was happening uh, over Zoom. You know, never once were we even allowed to step foot on campus right. and see people. And, um, and so, and then I invited the team to come to one of my classes. They loved it so much because we were showcasing each other's e-portfolios because I created one as well as a model. The team loved it so much. They wanted to come to all of my classes and they loved that so much that when our advisory committee met in June, um, and I was able to showcase the, the work that my students produced. Our grant writer for our campus was at this meeting, and now he's including ePortfolio with every grant that he writes. So <laughs> I have to say, it was the first few months, it, it really worked. It was great. It was really great. That's, that's amazing. So going back to um, some of those people that you mentioned, um, Pablo, Pablo Avia. Yes, uh, from LaGuardia Community College. Um, he's um, he's uh, he's he's amazing. We actually did a Digication Scholars um, um, conversation with him. Oh, you him have to too. send that to me. Yeah, and I think that he's someone who I, I wanted to just point this out because he's someone who's in uh, such a such, such a great great model of someone in this community. And what I do find amazing about people doing ePortfolios, just like yourself and Pablo. You're just so passionate about it that, like you said, you know, he didn't know you and he just spent an hour with you, you know, uh, without 
any knowledge of what you're going to do with it. You know, just hope, hopefully just lend a, a helping hand, right. really. Um, and I think that there's um, something really magical and special about ePortfolio and the, pe- the field of people who are practicing it are people who... Who really, who really like it very, you know, from a very authentic and genuine place in their hearts, you know. Right. I think that's no. That's, I think it's true. And you know, he immersed himself in the e-portfolio process yeah. prior to a pandemic. You know, so mm-hmm. he he had, I guess, maybe a different goals in mind, different desires, different outcomes he was hoping to achieve. Um, I mean, for me, first and foremost, I needed to get to know my students. You know, I couldn't yeah. be in the classroom with them. You know, sometimes because students would take the class while being somewhere else, sometimes at work, unfortunately, sometimes at a doctor's office, you know, um, sometimes they were even taking my class with a mask on. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to see my student. I wanted to get to know my students. I wanted them to get to know me, quite frankly. So, you know, this is why I created my portfolio first. It wasn't just as a model, but it was for them to get to see me and, you know, the, the multi-dimensional side to their teacher. And I need needed to see that from them, you know, and so it really served that initial purpose where how can I get to know my students in the middle of this pandemic when everything about this platform desocializes us? How am I going to do this? How am I going to accomplish this? And and that's really where education came in and, and kind of saved the day, I feel. And it wasn't really just for me because my students loved it. They loved learning about each other because just mm-hmm. like I was feeling isolated, my students were feeling isolated. So, you know, to be able to share who they were, pictures of their families, and sometimes they didn't even want to share those personal family photos or friends photos, but they wanted to share their interests and their hobbies, you know? And so the fact that we were able to do that, um, despite this platform that really is the antithesis of socialization, you know, it really just, so that was my, really, that was my initial draw. Um, so Pablo maybe had, you know, because he wasn't in the middle of a pandemic when he launched this, I think, was it now 15 years at LaGuardia? I, I know that yeah, they, they have a robust program. It it's been time. years, you know, and he yeah. reminded me that Rome is not built in a day. You know, he said, what you see here is it's years of growth. So I always keep that in my mind because I know that we've accomplished a lot in just one year, but this is just the beginning, you know. And then in doing everything that I did with my five classes, that's when I started realizing, okay, there's so many more benefits to an e-portfolio than rather than just like getting to know my students, you know, that's kind of like the icing on the cake, you know? And so uh, we can certainly talk about that later, but it it was really, um, really just a great thing. Yeah. I want to talk about a couple other things that you mentioned. Um, I think this idea of getting to know your students, and then you talked about engagement and motivation a little earlier. Um, I I actually think that in some sense, I know that you talked about it in the context of a pandemic mm-hmm. where you can't mm-hmm. see them in person, but I I feel I do think that it's a it has been a looming issue in teaching and learning in higher education, actually in teaching and learning in a lot For of sure. sort of 
modern, let's call it Western, you know, sort of um, classrooms. For sure. Which, you know, even when we can see people in person, we don't get to, we didn't used to have a way to like learn more about them or have a have the ability for them to express themselves in that way. Also, there are times, and I don't know about your experience, but there are, it's possible for you to go through a whole semester not knowing the person if they, they're not the kind of people who wants to really be outgoing and, you know, share. Very possible, um, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And those are also those, the, 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 the population who are most likely to drop out. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the, the most um, vulnerable part of the population where they are maybe not feeling engaged. They're maybe not feeling like they belong um, and that their story isn't worth sharing. And, you know, then, you know, this is not where I belong. And Absolutely. So, so they leave. Yeah. Um, which, so I think that you're, you're interesting. You know, you even were saying, well, this is icing on the cake. I think in some sense it's, it's icing on the cake, but it's also it may change the narrative of how we think about engagement and what the importance of engaging the students is in, 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 in a classroom, you know? Absolutely, because there, there are a ton of articles out there, educational articles that talk about this very thing, even you know, prior to the pandemic, to your point, where how are we going to engage our students? How do we let them know that they are seen? How do we forge the sense of belonging that's going to ensure retention, ultimately, that they'll stay in your class? You know, and so um, and what, one of the litmus tests, I think, over the years that I've seen is who you have after midterms. Um, are you a teacher who sees like half the class drop after midterms? Because if you do, then I think you're not doing something right, you know? Um, and, yeah. and if after midterms you see that you still have a ton left, I think that, you know, some, something is working because they're staying, right. you know? Yeah. And so that's something that I've always used as a gauge. Um, engagement definitely was always on my mind and I was always looking for ways prior to the pandemic. You know, sometimes there's that pressure of making class fun. And I know that there are some professors who resent that. They said, look, my job here is not to make your experience fun. My job here is to um, teach you what you need to know. You get the information, you know this content, and you move on. But I think it's a really reductive – I know, but it's it's such a reductive way. I mean, they can still get all the content they need, but – you can still have fun. And why does fun have to be such a bad word, you know? And so I think that's one of the things that my students do like about my class is that the class yeah. class can be fun and class is engaging and they know. And, you know, I think maybe in part it's because of my discipline. I teach writing and, and I teach literature. And so we get to talk about ideas. Students sometimes write about their lives if they're writing a memoir. You know, they really get to share. We always have class discussions. So we we get to share opinions and maybe because of the benefit of my discipline, they have really always known that I am there to hear them out, um, which I think makes the ePortfolio even more necessary if you're in a, a different kind of discipline. Let's say like a STEM, for instance, where 
maybe sometimes they feel like, you know, they've just got to deliver the material. There's no time for discussion. There's no time for sharing of their lives. Let's just move on. You know, I've got to, I got to teach you all this material because you've got an accreditation exam to take at the end of this, you know, um, all the more reason why any portfolio would be important. So. Yeah, I think that there's something interesting about this, um, almost, almost, a a, it's it's a it's a never ending spiral as a one that's going downwards, which is, you know, we can always add more content to a discipline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as a if you are a professor, your 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 you have a lot more time to have build up that bucket of content. You can just keep building and building and building and building. And after having done it for many more years, suddenly you know if you're you're philosophically at the root level, you think of education as being, you know, just giving the entire bucket, however full it is, to the students. Mm-hmm. It's actually not really what I believe that's not what education should be about. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, y- you really need to teach them how to build their own buckets. Um, right. And that's so much more interesting and so much more important, I think. And because we are always going to be chasing content, it will never end. And I think that actually there is almost some aspect of of folks that have that sort of type of philosophy in in teaching. Um, I think you're right in that some disciplines are more naturally sort of geared towards that and some are not. And I think that the ones that are more naturally geared geared towards that are ones that could be seen as having a finite number of things mm-hmm. that you can just go in and, and, and say, if I cover them, then they would know all the things they need to know to be successful at this. Mm-hmm. Um, but But I think that, you know, like you were saying in writing, or I was, you know, used to teach in, you know, in the arts and design. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I used to teach, yeah, I used to teach a little, you know, in, in architecture and digital oh, wow. media. Oh, cool. You know, in architecture, for example, you know, it doesn't make people think, you know, people who are not architects, you know, are imagining what it's like to go to architecture school. And they think, well, they must teach you how to build a door and windows and a roof and a, <laughs> I don't know, you know, name your, name your components, you know, and a garage, you know, and now you know how to build a house. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then at some point you need to learn how to build a railing too uh-huh. or whatever. Right? That's not at all how it works, you know, for for people in architecture school, they don't they don't learn that way at all. Hmm. We 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 learn about things like um, how do we define a threshold, and you get to define it yourself. Is it a door? How what is a door? I mean, it's actually a lot very philosophical. Yeah, and a lot of freedom. And it sounds like too a lot of freedom, and um, and in in so many ways. Um, because there isn't a correct way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there isn't one correct way of doing it. Um, when we, you know, I studied that as a student, but when I was teaching it as well, um, you, you don't ever have this sense of, I just need to teach you this and then you will, then we can move on. It's more like, you know, you could spend your entire career just thinking about doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
literally. And that would last a lifetime. Wow. Um, you could be thinking about building, you know, and anyway, so the point really is that it's almost like because it's so limitless, mm-hmm. same with people who are in the art, you know, in, if you're in um, graphic design, in, 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 in fashion design or in music or in dance, there's just, you know, there's no limits, no limits. to this. So it's not like you just kind of go through uh, a list of 10 things and at the end you have mm-hmm. it. Um, it's really just giving you the basic you know, tools so that you can acquire more things. Right, right. Um, and I think that, you know, when we look at, you know, sort of, um, you know, sort of zooming out into what a higher education experience should look like, maybe one that is in a community college or just in any college, really, I think that, you know, our, our role is much more about letting the students figure out what their bucket looks like mm-hmm. and in what ways they want to accumulate mm-hmm. their own mm-hmm. sort of experience and knowledge, mm-hmm. you know? By the way, do you miss teaching at all? Oh, I, a lot. You do, I last huh? time I taught, I Last time I taught was in 2006. See, I didn't even know that um, about you. Yeah, so that was that was a long time yeah. ago. I mean, having a real class, you know, yeah, in a semester. Yeah, right. Uh, I was in 2006. Um, and... Uh, I missed it. I, I missed it a great deal, and I I was very lucky to be in an environment that was so supportive, mm-hmm. and you know, both you know, as a teacher, but also the students, mm-hmm. and and I I really loved it, and it really formed a lot of you know the philosophy of why we build you know the education and the way that we built it. Good. Um, now back to some of the things that you talked sure. about, though. You were. You were sort of talking about the students liking it and being able to. Now, do they see each other's portfolios? Yes, that's I do allow that, and I allow it within Blackboard, so only my class can see each other's. So no other class can see, no other teacher can see. So it's just in the self-contained unit. Mm-hmm. And I did that on purpose because I really wanted to forge that sense of community. And yeah. um, they had no problems with that. If if there was something they didn't want to share about themselves, like a, a, a personal photo, let's say, they would just choose a different kind of photo, a photo that represented something that, you know, is a hobby, let's say. So they made it work for them, but they were still sharing in the text what um, we need to know about them, the things that they right. thought we we should hear and and know, in order for them to be seen in the way that they wanted us to see them. And and by the way, I'm going to say too that prior to launching it and prior to having them create their e-portfolios, I did have to have a discussion about audience, who their audience is, um, and and. Your tone, you know, what their tone should be like, because I kept stressing, this is not social media. It's not, this is not the same thing, you know, because uh, in fact, I did have a few students who wanted to share themselves in a way that they do over social media, like Snapchat or Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, right. and honestly, Jeff, it really was just not appropriate. It was not appropriate. I had a few females, um, you know, scantily clad and in very seductive poses. And so, um, you know, it, I did have to go through that because sometimes they were a little bit confused as to how they were sharing and why they were sharing and, and to whom they're sharing 
So um, that, that had to be part of the conversation when you roll out, yeah. you know, that was important because some of them are just so used to presenting themselves in a way on social media. Mm-hmm. And, and this is for a completely different purpose. So, yeah, you know, that's such a, that's a fabulous um, observation. And there's something about social media that I, 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 I'm having really difficult time with. Mm. Um, What's that? Just well, I, I think that a there is obviously a great deal of social media's you know that has to do with a lot of the platforms and 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 why they do it and and what it is that that you know they're trying to do. So I lived in Silicon Valley for ten years, so I, I see a lot of the sort of almost mm. like the inner working of mm. you know oh, wow. like how to solve You're entrenched. And, and it's um. I mean, I must say it's uh, it's scary and ugly. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, whether you are talking about YouTube, Facebook, you know, Instagram or Snapchat, what have you, they make money whenever you stay on their websites. Mm-hmm. When they they because by that it translates to advertisers and eyeballs, mm-hmm. and yep. that's the main thing. And they are very willing to, I mean, they're, these are really smart people. They're really, really, really willing to do what they need to do to get that engagement, mm-hmm. get that sort of thing. But this engagement is different from our engagement that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. The one that you were talking about earlier is about being seen, being heard, being recognized, mm-hmm. you know. And this is a lot more about, at all costs, how do we get people to stay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, at, you know, Facebook, they talk about, I mean, we found out recently, I guess, in their own, you know, research and finding that if we make people angry, they stay because they have more posts. They're, when they're more, um, when when they feel anger, when they feel like something needs to be, needs to be done because it's not right, right you know, right, they would do that. Right. But but that also, you know, creates the incentive for them to I don't know, to 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 just be more um to to create a more extreme um opinions and mm-hmm. opinionated mm-hmm. um sort of set of content to get you to react. Yeah, feeding right? the beast. That's a, that's a really dangerous thing. And when you were just talking about what students are transferring their their experience from social media to, you know, in this case, in the portfolio. But it's just that the idea of this is who I am and this is how I, you know, want to present myself. Right. So it's less about be heard, be seen. It's a little bit about feeding your own sort of like um, uh, the maybe, you know, you know, a lack of confidence mm-hmm. or ego, or, you know, ego, or um, uh, sort of this weird social contract that people have mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, do you like this, mm-hmm. and do I? I want to curate some sort of, you know, like best life. Yeah, you right, know? Like, right, you right, right. People's Instagram photos because they are seeing that well, my life doesn't look like that. I don't have all these amazing meals, and then have a puppy to come home right. to, and then. <laughs> You know, and then uh, a love partner to, yeah, to right, right, and and traveling to like these amazing places. Yeah, it becomes it's toxic. Like, wow. it, it 
Yeah, it becomes, and then you just look at what you you who you are, and you're like, wow, I mine doesn't look no, like this. No, no. This concludes part one of our conversation. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversation series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.